0: And it's just, it, I think it's like working in the real world where you respond to outside stimuli. And so I've, I, I mean, this live sunset project, it's, it's going to take forever. Like it, it just sort of keeps yeah. going. And each time I learn something new, but it's a really long process. So it's really great to be able to do something quick and to have something physical after it.
1: From Stockholm Studios in Bushwick, Brooklyn, this is the LPV show. A weekly discussion from the world of photography and photo books. Here is your host, Brian Formals.
2: Idol? What do you
3: call an idol? This is healthy banter, I think. Right, Solving right. world problems. Right. We're talking about online dating. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Brett Davis. I'm 27 and I'm currently single. Uh, I'm an artist. <laughs>
0: Ladies, he's good looking and might not make any money. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, but very talented photographer.
2: So if you're looking for profile pictures after the dating experience, there you, you might go. get some good hmm. ones.
1: Wow. Maybe I do you have could a lot even of- convince him to do it on the first date so you wouldn't have to do a second. No. Yeah. Oh.
2: Well, thanks for being here, Brett. <laughs> no problem. Happy to be back. Thanks for being here, Tom. Glad to be here. And thank you, Megaly.
0: Thanks for, for inviting me.
2: For joining us again.
0: Always a pleasure. There
2: is a reason why you're here again. I mean, there is. Yes. <laughs> yes, sounds good.
0: Okay.
2: Like I was just gonna say, you know, part of the idea was we like having people come back and mm-hmm. kind of catch up on the story from year to year, and that was part of the plan all along. We had Noah Kalina on a couple weeks ago, and he's, you know, he's he's, mm-hmm. he's done two of them, and now you're gonna do two of them.
0: Oh cool. I'm joining like a club, I feel like. Oh yeah. yeah. Corey
2: Prochet as well, too. All right. So you're in very good company. I think
0: so, yeah. Hopefully.
3: Tim so, Tim as well. Oh Tim Briner. Yeah.
2: yeah. Although he was in the um the demo demo season. The
1: season that doesn't
2: exist. Yeah. Well you can yeah, you can find it if you dig in. <laughs> if you dig deep
0: enough into the and dark corners can, of the internet. Yeah. <laughs>
2: and if you can tolerate the audio for more than five minutes. <laughs>
1: Not my bad.
2: <laughs> yeah. Tom Starkweather was not the audio engineer for the demo season. That's why it's it called was. the demo season. Mm. Brian Formals. <laughs> 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 that's why, that one man band. And that's why you have a huge upgrade in Tom Starkweather. And microphones and the whole production.
0: It's a snazzy affair. It is a snazzy yeah.
2: affair. So we're here in Stockholm Studio and we're going to talk about a few different things. But first of all, you were on television.
0: Yes, I was. What I was? What? Oh, I've been all over television. Oh, I was on no. basic cable. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, yesterday I I was interviewed on BK Live, which is a show on Brick TV. Um, and I was talking about an installation, a photographic installation that I had done down in Bay Ridge for a pawn shop. Nice. Uh-huh. Um, because <laughs> I'm expanding my reach.
2: <laughs> so how did, how did you get that installation? Where did that come from?
0: Um, so it's, it's through this Brooklyn-based, Bayridge-based organization um, that commissions artists to work with storefronts down Fifth Avenue in Bayridge to create an art installation of some kind. Um, that's up for two months, so May until the end of June. So June 25th is the last day. Um, and part of it was because the the founder, this guy, John Avaludo, who's a Brooklyn native from Gravesend, was doing some research just on how arts funding um, is broken down by neighborhood in Brooklyn. And so in Brooklyn... Um, Somewhere like downtown Brooklyn uh, will have $48 per person spent on arts funding, whereas uh, Bay Ridge has $0.31 per person spent on funding. And so he was trying to figure out a way to bring art into the community and specifically to bring art into the community where it's not, you know, opening up a white box space that is not inclusive to the community that it's in, um... And so, yeah, so it's the seventh year that they've done this, and I had an idea, and I pitched it, um, which was just, I've, I've had this idea of translating a, a line from a Walt Whitman poem into sign language, and in, in the idea that, specifically the poem I was thinking of is called To a Stranger, and it's about these public-private interactions that we have, and kind of Uh, You know, when you you see someone and you exchange a glance and what that means or could mean or or wherever it's going. Um, And so I was thinking about ways to create public artwork that is interactive but passive so that you can notice it and continue to walk, but you can also notice it and try to interact in the sense of deciphering it. Um, So there's a a key where you can actually decipher it, but it's Uh. photographs of my my hands and then somebody else's hands signing out, um, a line from a poem and it's, the line says, you must be he I was seeking. Um, and so because it was a pawn shop, um, I thought this idea of exchange and a place of exchange made sense for gestural exchange, but also physical exchange of some sort. Um,
2: so do you think the people going in and pawning like their wife's wedding ring? Yeah, go they just like, they stop a, for a second. Like, why <laughs> are they giving me the finger? You know? <laughs> why are you perhaps,
0: there? perhaps. I mean, I I was down there one day and had some really nice interactions with people who either like have no idea that it's there or are interested who know sign language shouldn't try to decipher it who ask about it one woman i ended up having this like 25 minute conversation about sign language and she thought that it was a store that you could go in and take lessons or something. but it's just ah. i don't know it, there's there's something kind of appealing about this idea of coming across mm-hmm. a piece of art um what about documenting do, like, all
2: those like interactions somehow
0: Maybe, was, yeah. maybe. I'd have to be in Bay Ridge so much. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that would be kind of interesting. Though, but yeah, no, yeah. I think so. Because it's interesting. It, it's not your typical um, kind of art interaction of just somebody standing in front of a piece and, you know, doing whatever they're doing.
2: It's kind of a common but theme for you. You've been busy the last I've been, Yeah, six months, been, I've been very busy. Your, you had a nice piece at the Queen's Museum show. Yes. And that um, was the live streaming Sunset. Yep.
0: I'm, I'm a part of the Queens International, which is a biennial show at the Queens Museum um, that pretty much shows what's happening in Queens. So it's artists who either live in Queens or work in Queens. So it's a mix of a lot of Brooklyn and, and Queens artists. Um, and yeah, I was commissioned to run my live streaming Sunset piece. And so it runs during museum hours from 11 to 5. And In this commission, I decided to really focus on um, urban areas, and in a way, I don't want to say the migrant crisis, but somewhat I was very inspired by it because I've had the cameras placed in um, Visby, Sweden, which has uh, a large uh, refugee center, as well as Lampedusa in Italy, which is the closest European landmass to Italy. and it's the place that most of the migrants leaving Libya are taken to or trying to get to, um, as well as then juxtaposing that with um, other places like Spain and the Costa del Sol, which is a holiday place for Europeans, and, and kind of just trying to show this this tracking of a universal um, routine which is the sunset throughout these places um and so that's up until the end of July
2: but aren't most people that go they're just going to be like oh pretty sunset <laughs> they, they could <laughs> be
0: yeah but I mean part of that is is it I'm, I'm interested in works that exist on their own but then also you can go in and and kind of learn more about so there is wall text um about it, and every time I do it, it, it changes a little bit. Um, last December, I ran a 12-hour version of it, um, The Solstice, um, which sounds very, like, witchy woman, kind of like, <laughs> it's on The Solstice. <laughs> but, um, but I, I, yeah, I, I like this idea of doing it on the shortest day of the year and the longest set of sunsets. Um, and that, that kind of just ran in Long Island City for, for a day. So it oh, changes. Yeah. yeah, I stopped in, by on that one. You did stop by, yeah. It was... You know, long. it was long. <laughs> I was there for a long, long time. It was chilly. It was so raining. how
2: long would that? Maybe we talk about this a little bit. Is a live streaming sunset? Is that ever ending? I,
0: I mean, <laughs> the, the idea, the idea, I feel like it's a project that'll follow me to the grave. But uh, um, the idea is to finally get to this 24 hour cycle where mm-hmm. it never sets and so that's sort of um, a large undertaking. Could you just put it like
2: on your website and have one place where people could just always look at the sunset you have streamed? I could.
0: I mean, it would, it would be lovely. Um, there is a, a, an Austrian artist maybe a decade ago did a project like that where he listed a lot of webcams. But there, a lot of them are out and they're broken and a lot of them aren't actually live. They're ones that are... Um, more photo based where it's like it updates every minute or every five minutes or 10 minutes. And so this is an idea of a running video, but how I've been working with it is instead of, you know, it would be great to find sponsorship with one camera company, but there's something really nice about the way I've been working on it where I'm uh, I'm creating a network of people who either run cameras that I send to them, which are surveillance cameras, um, or I'm, I'm pretty much just taking other people's feeds where I find them online and stitching together something. And so in that sense, it becomes a little bit harder to encompass it in, in sort of like one channel. Um, but that's something I would love to do. I, I had been working with a camera company that was bought by Google. Um, <laughs> and so everything sort of changed yeah. around. So
2: Well, it's interesting with the live stuff that is really actually pretty hot right now on social media. With Facebook Live, Periscope, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, yeah. which is really you know, making it present. So I wonder how that could possibly change it because there's probably, you could probably go on Periscope where people yeah. are like streaming their sunsets, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
2: wherever I, they are, or like Facebook Live, they're going to pop up right. like, oh, we're on the beach and yeah, sunset, you know.
0: Well, I think some of, uh, that sort of gets into work I'm I'm working on now with these um, like durational cyanotypes that I'm making, but I'm really interested, um, like someone's grandma, um, in <laughs> In ideas of patience and duration in artworks. And so the idea with the live stream sunset is that, you know, it's at a museum now, but I really see it as a public art piece that's not in a gallery and that's not in an institution necessarily, um, or that if it is, then it also exists somewhere. So maybe it exists as a web channel. Or um, when I've done it in galleries, it's always been projected into a window that faces out onto the street so you can see it in the gallery but it's really about seeing it on the street um and and so I think that's some of it too is like people ask well how many is it and I go well if it's 24 hours it would be 24 sunsets and they go oh but so there's an hour of the sun setting and and I think that's it people expect um I, I was in Australia and I ran it for a video festival and it was in a church and I was up in um like on the second floor kind of looking down and no one could see me because it was dark and I heard people talking about it and it was this really interesting experience of, of some people sat for an hour or 25 minutes and then they came back and other people kind of came in and they're like, that's not live, it's not setting and they seem to be forgetting the fact that like the sun sets over a course of time and, and there's a point where it goes pretty quickly but, but there's also all of that build up um, to it. And I think that's what I'm interested in is mimicking the actual feeling of being there, mediating it through technology, through surveillance onto a screen, but as opposed to it being kind of, you know, like a a marker on your social media, it's about creating a space that you either pass and come back to, or that you can sit and just kind of be in that space. Um, so really trying to trying to push these ideas of time and how we experience time.
2: So you mentioned the cyanotypes. Yes. What's going on? And what the name so, of the, the project is, The Sea, The Sea?
0: Yes. Um, so what's
2: going on with the cyan, cyanotypes?
0: So um,
2: Old school photographic Old school. I know
0: I'm making photographs. Yeah, you, yeah, See, yeah I you, I you were swear. so nervous That's that you... That's why I came back, because yeah. I, I actually <laughs> made a photograph or two. Um, yeah, I uh, I I think of my as an artist who works in photography, but, I mean, all of my projects, I think, come out of photography at some point, and I, I was just in the studio for a while thinking about how to physically make something and not just deal with files. Um, and so, so the title of the project, The Sea, The Sea, comes from a Paul Valery um, poem, and the line is, uh, I'm going to totally forget it, but it's, The Sea, The Sea, The... Uh, everlasting sea, I think, or the, the eternal sea. But this idea of how this sea is cyclical and, um, waves crash into themselves and, um, ebb and flow. So I was making cyanotypes and cyanotypes are great, but you kind of, you make a cyanotype and it looks like any other cyanotype. And there's, uh, there's a, there's a time when you just sort of wonder like if you can make it not kitschy or if you or why are you making a cyanotype is it beyond the aesthetics of it um, and so I, I was thinking a lot about time and the sunset project and I'd gone out to the beach uh, maybe two years ago when I filmed this video um, and I just I had wanted to you know take sort of cheesy photos of the ocean and I got to the beach and it was beautiful and within like 15 minutes um there was just a total whiteout where you could barely see i don't know maybe like five feet in front of you and so the ocean kind of disappeared and and the horizon line disappeared and the only thing that broke it was when a wave would crash because you would have the sound but then you would also sort of have this almost like brighter white out of the gray um so i had this video and i was sort of kicking around with it and didn't know what to do and i started making prints and then i started leaving those prints um in the window in my studio, on the roof, and seeing how they would decay over time. And that then came back to um, cyanotypes. And I have a love for projectors. Um, (laughs) And so I've been collecting slide projectors. And then I just, I one day just had this idea, like, can you burn a line into um, a ground? So can you burn a line into a photograph, which is pretty much in a way, what photography is, you're exposing um, a piece of paper mm-hmm. to light. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I was thinking more and more about time, and so I just started experimenting and realizing that, well, yeah, I used flashlights and uh, random light bulbs and nothing, re- I mean, they worked, but they didn't quite work, and I started making um, slides out of cinefoil And then I just kind of had, I was out walking and I had this idea of like, well, what if I used a slide projector and just a slide and tried to actually burn that image because there's so little UV light if, I mean, there is some, but it's, it's such a small amount within a projector bulb, um, that it would take a long time. And so I just started setting up these projectors in my studio and leaving them, um, and, you know, <laughs> I was in a, in a studio where the landlord was in the building, and he would go into the studio and turn them off, because you could hear them oh, wow. going, <laughs> and I would just yeah. get these, like, you're trying to burn the yeah. house down. Um, but it started to work. Um, and, and at first, I was just kind of using, like, random um, slides that I made of geometric forms, because I thought, well, that would make more sense. And then I went back to this ocean video. I bumped mm-hmm. up the contrast. And... And it became more and more about like mediation. And so, you know, seeing something and then it being obscured by fog Mm. and then filming it and then taking a still from it, making um, a slide out of that. And then what I started to see was that I would set the projector up onto this cyanotype background Mm. and it would record the image, but it was never the same as the actual image. So much went into it because they would expose for two days or three days or a week or uh, I think the longest like really successful one I've done was about a month um and what happened was the slide itself would burn out so it would go from this black and white slide to being this kind of pink magenta color and then you would have this blue image that picked up it was a transfer of the image Mm -hmm. but it also picked up any ambient movement. So if the projector was on the floor, it would pick up when the floor shook, if somebody moved past, if someone blocked out the light itself. And so in a way, it ended up becoming a transfer of the image. But also for me, I think like the most successful depiction, visual depiction of time that I've ever made. Wow. Um, so that you could see it, and, and also just—I mean—you expose something that long, and there's there's just ambient vibration, mm-hmm. so that the image isn't crystal clear. It really picks up.
2: So can you still see that it's the ocean? I mean, it's yeah, a, you it, can. You
0: can yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. There, I, I specifically chose a few stills where it's like a very specific wave break, um, which is then also too like I, I like this idea mm-hmm. of a violent action. Sort of like arrested motion mm-hmm. um, that's reanimated because of all of that movement that gets recorded. Mm-hmm. But you can you can see it still happening, um, but it kind of fades in and out. Right. And so so yeah. So it's a series of photographs that I've been making, and I've um, just started experimenting with making them into really large panels um, where I've exposed canvas instead mm-hmm. of paper, wow. and then they're wrapped um, around these wooden panels and um, kind of up against a wall at some point so that they're a little bit larger than life. It's um, process. It's very complicated. Is it's it, very complicated. It it's complicated, to, just, but it, it's also like very <laughs> simple once it comes down yeah. to it. It's just a slide projector on... A cyanotype, like that's all. It's just it's the amount of it re- time. Yeah, it that reminds it takes. me of
2: talking to Tim Timothy Bryner about his all his studio experiments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah he I'm does a lot of like, really ah, cool It sounds so awesome. I wish I could do that, but I don't have patience. I'm just like, takes, ah, I'm just gonna go out yeah. and take a walk. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: I think yeah. it's weird. It takes a lot of patience, but it's also like once you get it, you kind of mm-hmm. get it. I don't know. It's it's also just really fun. 'Cause it seems it's like more figuring like figuring out a, the problem
2: solving, figuring yeah. out the problem and then constructing Yeah, it becomes like That's a part I like project. about it. Yeah, exactly. That's a part yeah. I like about it. I would like about it, that a lot. It's just I yeah, guess I need a studio or something. I don't know. I think that, or some skills, some actual talent just push a things. button on a camera. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it's much more than you got I would have never thought of that. Who would have ever thought of that? We are, in sitting in front of us, we have a book too. So you're, mm-hmm. you're not yes. just doing studio experiments, you're making printed matter. And the book is called I Looked, I Looked. Yes. Um and it was published by Conveyor Arts, right? Mm-hmm. Um so what's this what's the book about?
0: Uh so the book is Stieglitz
2: and uh George O'Keefe. Yes,
0: George right? O'Keefe, uh, who were partners. Um Stieglitz, obviously, a very famous photographer, Georgia O'Keeffe, very famous painter. Um, and there's this beautiful book uh, that I happened to come across at the library a few years ago, and it's their collected letters. Um, and so they had a really interesting relationship. He was much older than she was. Um, he was really at the height of his fame when they met. She was a female painter when female painters were not really um, as respected. Um, And she was also really finding herself and and they had a relationship where they were apart a lot. And at some point he was married and long story short, (laughs) um, it was romantic and and tempestuous and interesting. Um, But so I was reading this book of their letters and I came across this one passage where they write to each other on the same day. uh, But he's in Lake George, New York, and she is up in Maine. Um, and it's, it's just a small section of a letter where they were such gossips. Like they talk about (laughs) other artists and they talk about New York and it's kind of great, but they also talk about the most mundane bullshit. Um, but they each end up writing descriptions of the moon on the same night from different places. And what really struck me was this idea of, um, of people who m- might not be writers using the written word to describe something so visual. Right. Um, and so he writes about this, like, white moon and the black sky. And you can just see a Stieglitz photograph. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. And then she writes about a pink moon um, descending into a gray-green sea. Mm. And it's one of her paintings kind of come to life. And, mm. and there's something I think really... Beautiful about experiencing like a dual moment um, in that way, but then also really endearing because the language itself is kind of clunky. Like there's <laughs> really, there are very, very few people who can write romantically. Well, they're visual artists. They're right? visual yeah, artists, yeah. yeah. So I was really inspired by it, and it was when I, I was working on some some work that I just felt stuck in. And I just emailed a bunch of people, like I, a bunch mm-hmm. of people. I emailed my entire email list, and most people, I think, were yeah. like, delete um, on a, a Friday night, uh, which is a great time to write an mm-hmm. email, because-
2: After how much wine? <laughs> no,
0: I was actually in a computer lab, which oh. is so sad. Um, but but I, I knew that the full moon was coming up, and so I just said, you know, I read this really beautiful exchange. Would you write me an email? Um, and look at the moon. Tell me what you see, Mm. which I mean, it's, it's, it is hokey. That's totally fine. I'm like very okay with that. But, um, but what I hadn't done was I hadn't looked at the weather report. Um, and so what ended up happening was, um, the full moon was a Monday night, I Mm. believe, or Tuesday night. Um, and it also ended up being the night of hurricane Sandy. And I just moved, um, to New York from California, I had moved back to New York from California, so I had emailed all these people on the West Coast and all of these people on the East Coast, and then I wrote another email, being like, maybe just don't get hit by a you know tree when you're outside, but please still look at the moon. And long story short, um, a lot of people wrote back with these really beautiful descriptions of the moon on the night of October 29th, 2012. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening was all the people on the West Coast wrote these very um, expressive, descriptive views on the moon because they could see it. It was full, it was a gorgeous night, yada yada. And then on the East Coast you really couldn't see the moon and so all of these people ended up writing these very introspective descriptions where they kind of touched on what they couldn't see but almost in not seeing that they started thinking of something else or seeing something else. And so people people wrote these very personal accounts of um, that night. Mm-hmm. And I had taken photographs and I had been working on some photographs and looking at archives of images of the moon. And so uh, I kind of didn't know what to do with it and then I sort of realized that maybe a book mm. made sense. Um, and so I Looked and Looked is taken from the Stieglitz um, quote at the end of his letter which is I looked and looked and knew I was awake Mm -hmm. Um, and I I just like this this idea that visual perception kind of gave you a a feeling of interior exterior being Mm -hmm. like that that was really how you um, could define yourself which is by what you could see so so I put it together as a series of, of letters um, um, and included the place where all of them were written and then a series of photographs that I had taken either on that night. Um, one of There's one that's, that I took on the night where you can't really see the moon. It just sort of peeks out. And then um, this guy, Sean Custer, who's a, a good friend of mine, had taken one in California, which is the last one, which is sort of the big reveal that you can see the moon. Um, and so, yeah, so, so it was just trying to build this multi-perspective. So it just all
2: happened in one night, like, really quick? Pretty
0: much. It happened really quick. And then I sort yeah. of sat on it for a while because I wasn't like, entirely so sure how to handle it. And then contacted and people yeah. again. And, and it was really funny because when people went back to read what they had written, a lot of people were like, could you not put my name on that? It's so personal. Well, yeah, it's yeah. so..." And it is. and, and so, so you just so. ended up
2: putting locations. So goes, I put
0: locations, yeah.
2: I mean, it touches in something we talk about a lot in a you know, just you get the impulse and you make something and then you have it versus yeah. working on something for five years or three years or whatever, you know. So it's like this. You just made this one piece yeah. of art. And like the whole idea came about and like...
0: It all kind of came quick. came about in like Thunderclaps, you yeah. know, where I was like really inspired by this. It made me write this email. People were inspired by it, or at least wanted to help out or do something. And then I kind of just sat on <laughs> yeah. it for a long time. But... But it was good because it, it, I, after I did it, I really loved it. And then I sort of had these issues where I was like, oh God, it's so but like so romantic you, yeah, and but sentimental. You, you have a lot of stuff
2: like that? Because I know Brett was talking yes. before the show started. He's like, I got like seven half made books. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. like, I
3: hate you know? I just, <clears throat> I mean, people work in different sort of ways. I have a couple long term projects, but when I have an impulse to do something, I kind of have to act or else I lose that moment. Yeah. And so right now, I have some projects that I lost the moment, <laughs> <laughs> but then it, I <laughs> just think sitting.
0: It, but yeah. you sort of you sit on them, yeah. and then at yeah. some point the moment comes around. It, it's like this.
2: It's like binging. <laughs> it really it's that's what like I do. Binging. It's like I have to. If I don't, I binge on so like they go out and shoot manically for like two months, and then look at it. I'm like oh I can't even deal. I can't deal with looking yeah. at Queen stuff, where I have like ten rolls. I'm like I don't, I don't even give a shit what's on those rolls because like I have it, or I have right. other stuff that just sits in like book spreads and haven't looked at it for months or even projects that it's like years later. I think it's, it's a good, I don't know. I think it's it's the way you have to work.
0: Well, and it's just, I think it's like working in the real world where you respond to outside stimuli. And so I've, i I mean, this live sunset project—it's—it's it's gonna take forever. Like it, it just sort of keeps yeah. going, and each time I learn something new, but it's a really long process. So it's really great to be able to do something quick, mm-hmm. and to have something physical after it. And and like I said, I mean, I I did it really fast, and then I sat on it for yeah. a while and thought about it, and I had cr- I had made sort of just a, a cheap little zine version of it that was right for the moment and then kind of going back I thought it needed something else and so that was part of the weight but it's yeah but it's true because I I almost sort of like let it go because I kind of I didn't maybe it's (coughs) well I think
2: you know I mean maybe you went to art school you say art and I think most like professional artists kind of know you make a bunch of stuff and you kind of let it sit around you do but I think when we talk about photographers the lesson for a lot of photographers you know I know there's probably a lot of photographers listening that are more on the Amateur side of what I'm doing. They feel like I go and I have a project. That's true. Yeah. I really, like they want to do it mm. as a hobby and like they want, but they want to do it. I really like like the passionate amateur kind of photography It's like, I'm gonna do it seriously, but I don't really have any ambition beyond trying to make things where they might, I'm gonna all the real photographers, the serious photographers that I like, they work in projects, and I'm gonna work in projects. I'm gonna take on a project, and like mm-hmm. they go and they work hard on it, and they do it, and then they like they, they lose it after three months, and then they think like I'm such a failure. Well, it's no, like every artist kind of goes through that same thing. It's like, you work on it for those three months and then you lose it. you try
0: stuff on as you go and certain things stick and certain things don't. And, but I think sometimes too, it's just about like setting those limitations or setting those boundaries and borders for yourself. But yeah, sometimes stuff just
2: doesn't work, but you can also pick it up too. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to, I think there's like that desire, you know, to like I have to finish it and put it out, and then this has to be my book and whatever this thing. Well, it, you might do it, and then you pick it up again. And yeah, you no, might it's it, it's you know. important
0: to remember that you can always go back. I mean, like a I I've in my head been working on this um, this photo book that's all you know a guide to the subway psychics. I've been talking about it for a long time, but mm. it's taken me oh yeah, like we, two have, years. we have all the, yeah. the flyers, right? Yeah, and it's taken me like two years to collect all of these. I have oh. over twenty five of these flyers and. And I had laid it out, and, and I'm making a map that kind of guides you to them. And it's an actual subway map. And but it wasn't until I put it down and kind of thought about it for a while that I then started to contact psychics who I'm photographing mm-hmm. and include. Like, but it wasn't until I sort of stepped away from it because I I tend to get into these oh, phases yeah, sometimes where this, I'm like, I yeah. don't care for this. Yeah. At the <laughs> yeah. And then it's distance can be good, what about even if it that, feels like yeah. a failure. It's just it can be good to kind of just take a a breath. Yeah.
2: What about I remember you telling me about this? What about the people going to the psychics?
0: I'm less interested in them. <laughs> you're not. You're I'm right. providing a map yeah. for them. I don't care what they do yeah. with it. Wow. No, I mean I think part of photographing the psychics themselves is because I'm really interested in. Um, I'm interested in in the the printed ephemera that they use and the clip art that recycles through them and the, uh, the actual like business models, but then also just like the people, like who are these people, who is Teresa? Who I is see? Kino. Who is yeah. know Who the hell is Kino? How do they and how Kino, do they and
2: have the storefronts too? It's like they Well, must, yeah, exactly. like Someone like who owns where, a building, like their uncle owns a building, it's like, oh, you yeah. want to be a psychic? And I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Like it makes.
0: Well, and I'm, I'm more interested in that. I mean, how
2: do you make that much money at, on a psychic? <laughs> like, was it twenty five? You know,
0: I know. You can like like just always do the call math them. In your head.
2: It's like yeah. how you can get that many customers. You know, and
0: you can always call and ask one free question. That can't be a good business model. <laughs> but. But I'm I'm more interested in in them as people and and kind of all of those decisions and choices and and just the aesthetics of it. Not that I'm not interested in people going, but I don't necessarily want to follow one person or especially because I know so many people go like I went once and you're like yeah, but I'm interested in in more this model of it and where all of that is coming from. Um, but it took me a while to figure that out because I kind of thought like oh well. Go to a whole bunch of psychics myself and I just no. I'm just asking (laughs) them for like lotto picks. But yeah. So
2: (laughs) nice. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna come back and talk about photo books you brought. Uh Uh
3: Came out and it was the shittiest yeah, no, stuff I ever. I
0: bought some and it was like, oh cool, everything is
3: blue. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, I have one of those Impossible Project printers. What? Uh, they have so, a printer now. Yeah. So, um, I mean, my friend works at Urban Outfitters, so I got a oh. severe uh, discount. Yeah. I wouldn't buy it just as is, but. You can take whatever photo you shoot, mm-hmm. and you put your smartphone on top of this contraption, and it prints a Polaroid. Huh. Right. Oh, that's cool. There's a it's more Fuji economical. Well, it the does he, pretty much the same. Yeah,
2: right. yeah, right. Like you can send it. Don't you have that? Where you yeah, can send I have that, that. Like right to the.
1: You can't. You can't just put the phone on top of it and it magically. Bluetooth. Um,
3: no, it's taking a picture of your screen. Oh. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. That's, hmm. Tom will have to look into that. Yeah. That's fancy. Tom, tech <laughs> talk. Well, once I'm <laughs> tech done with this project, the <laughs> you, can, uh, you can buy mine. So we got some
2: books here, and a couple yeah. of these zines you were in. The first one's Raincoat in the Sky. So tell me about this.
0: Uh, Yeah. So that, that's a sort of big omnibus zine that was put together by Richard Perez, who's a Brooklyn-based photographer that I know Um And yeah, it's the theme of the zine uh, was sort of open to interpretation, but from a Brian Eno song. Um, Mm.
2: Which
1: one?
0: And uh, Raincoat in the Sky. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, 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 yeah. (laughs) Which I actually didn't know. um, Or it was one of those ones where I kind of then listened to it, and I was like, I feel like I've heard this, but maybe not. Um, But so yeah, so, so he asked a bunch of... Of people, and so it's a mix of photographs and illustrations and some poems. Um, but it's a, a really cool group of people, and came out last month. Yeah, I
2: think. Amy Lombard's in there too. She's, yeah, Nicole um,
0: Reber, Sasha Vega. Um, it's a it's a good group, I'd say. Cool. But so yeah, so I I made some new work for it, but all kind of one-off stuff, which was really fun to do.
2: One off stuff.
0: Well, you know, <laughs> I, I wasn't making a series. Yeah. Um, it was more just carrying a camera around, which I hadn't done in a while, actually. So,
2: what kind yes. of camera do you use <laughs> 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 when you do carry one around?
0: Um, I I have a five D. Uh, um, oh yeah, five so D original. Well, yeah, she's actually the, a Mark III. Yeah. Um,
2: but you've done.
3: I was so. you. Oh, sorry. No, you're you were
0: hoping I'd have a cool camera. Uh, <laughs> it's a yeah, <laughs> Fuji. Only... You know, Fuji no, wow. I I actually I bought it because I I was concerned about doing some video stuff, mm-hmm. and so that's that's my camera. It's but you've done a couple heavy. Of
2: sh- shoots for a band and
0: like yeah, like, I, do, you, I do I do I do some some freelance work. Yeah, I can light things. Candy, I yeah. can as much as I run away from you know photography. Photography, I actually. Do have a background in photography. I can light things. Swear to <laughs> God, um, but yeah, no, I, I do that on the side, and it's really fun. So.
2: so the next one, what's this next one? It's called Untitled Untitled Project. Rogers Avenue, 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning.
0: Um, so that's just a, a book that's based, or uh, it's about a project that a Swedish artist, Knut Vester, who I'm good friends with, did in New York when he was here on residency. Um, And I brought it in because I think it's a beautiful project. Um, But I also was asked to make some photographs for it, which was really nice. Um, He is a multimedia artist, and when he was here, he was working with a family shelter in um, Crown Heights, uh, actually, no, a family shelter in bed but the project took place in Crown Heights. And he runs these sculpture workshops with kids where they make casts of each other's faces and hands and arms and body parts, and then they put together a sculpture at the end. Um, and he ended up really becoming close to this, this one child in the group and then speaking to his mother, and they had... Just, I think, a connection because he has kids. <laughs> and um, he he asked him where he lived before he was in the family shelter. And the response was another family shelter. And before that, another family shelter. And finally, he sort of said, you know, we were evicted. We used to have a home in Crown Heights. And so what he did was he made this cast of the, the boy's sh- um, arm and mm-hmm. shoulder. And then I went with them when they pretty much illegally installed it on the wall of the building that the family was evicted from. Mm-hmm. And it was really beautiful, and it, it took place on a June Sunday morning at 6 a.m., so uh, we wouldn't get in trouble or have any altercations. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's still there. It's on, it's on Rogers on Well, it's Avenue. another
2: very time-based project.
0: Yeah, really. yeah, That's, and I've, I've kind of gone, you know, he's back in Sweden, but I've gone to check on it a few times, and it's still there, which wow, I think nice. is really... Yeah. Lovely. And when you go, one of the photographs um, in the book is, is just sort of a wide shot and it shows the context of it, which it's, it's a wall between two buildings and it's pretty much where they put the trash out. Um, And then right in it is a little boy's arm, which I think is kind of lovely and sweet. And then if you read the plaque, it's just that story about, you know, moving from shelter to shelter and kind of where home originally was.
2: Cool. So we got a couple zines here. What are these zines? Yeah. uh, So,
0: so the first zine, um, is by an Estonian. We like
2: zines. Zines are everywhere these days,
0: right? (laughs) The, the first zine is by an Estonian artist, um, who I met last summer. Um, and it's not a photo zine, but it's an art zine. (laughs) Um, but she's, she's great. She, she actually works in photography a lot in her work. Um, and this was uh, commissioned by an Estonian publishing company called Lugemilk, which I'm probably <laughs> not <laughs> yeah. pronouncing it, but that's yeah. how it's spelled, uh-huh. Lugemilk. Um, and she went in and she, she took these Soviet manuals um, that kind of were, were exercise manuals for women um, in the Soviet republics. Um, or communist nations, uh-huh. and and it's just sort of a, a breakdown of of all of these sketches on sort of how your posture should be and how you should move. And but I, I like this idea of sort of going back into um,
3: in a weird way. This reminds me of the Black Panther book, right? Corey, Corey, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. cool! Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: And what's the other one? Sokol.
0: Oh, and Sokol is just it's a a sweet little handmade zine that. Um, Uh, Kristen Sigur who's an Icelandic artist that I know made. And I I brought it in because I kind of thought it was this really kind of cool sort of DIY version of another book that I brought in. But um, she had been making a lot of work about going to space and sort of these manuals about going to space and living on Mars. And and when she was working on it, um, she was talking to me about how she was applying for Mars One. Whoa. which is that crazy yeah. reality yeah, um, uh-huh. mission to Mars. She really would um, do it. Yeah, wow. yeah. She's rea- she's a really interesting artist. She works in photography um, and drawing and painting, and there was just, I think, something kind of great about it. She used archival stuff and then also kind of went in, but just sort of the, the bonkers nature of even thinking about applying to go to Mars. Yeah, don't yeah. um, <laughs> no things. I like yeah
2: the zines. I don't know. People started bringing them on the show, and we keep 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 bringing them. We keep talking about, and now I'm like, you know, it's like I maybe it was like photo book culture is made. You know, looking at. I don't
0: know. Well, I think I mean, but I like
2: them. I mean, they made me like. I guess I think what happened was I would look at a lot of zines at like Dashwood Books, or I'd go to the art yeah. and you'd be like, oh why? What's the point of well, this? Well, but I think there's but now when you see, I think it's good like these little hand curated ones where it's like you. Well, and have, it's a
0: way yeah. to to like start. I mean, to make a photo book is kind of a commitment, mm-hmm. and you have to put money down and you design it. And but there's something really nice about, you know making something that you can do pretty fast and even if it's just making it to then make something else Mm -hmm. like she I didn't bring it in but she ended up making a set of 10 hand-bound hardcover books of Mm these. so there's still sort of the zine aesthetic but this was kind of the the template for Mm -hmm. it and I think it's interesting too because I mean you look at how zines started and it's like fanzines right and like riot girl stuff and and so it was a way for people to be connected to a larger world, which I think is kind of what photo books are, too, because yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. can make a photo book and get it out there. And that's how people are seen, because, you know, the gallery system or even, you know, the, the professional photojournalism world right. can be a little intimidating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think, it's I cool. think, I
2: mean, what I like about it is like, it can't, doesn't need to be the full idea. It can be like the shred of the idea and you go and you see it and like, maybe that's just it. And there's mm-hmm. a spontaneity to it as well too, where you don't, Yeah. it doesn't have to be like this huge commitment to make like a ton of books. So it's like, again, we were talking about having like Brett having his, you know, books hanging around or me like having my like spreads. I'm like, maybe it's just a zine. Maybe it's like, that's it. Maybe it just needs to be cut down, minimized. And it's just like. A zine and that's that's how it lives and it's good and it's cool and you hand them out to people and then somebody might bring it on a podcast and <laughs> you might get a new light you know what I mean? but like that's kind of yeah. like that hand you know it's hand-to-hand like word of mouth kind of thing which is really nice about it it's like
0: yeah definitely
2: and it's still and when they're done well it's like oh it's really cool idea too and it doesn't need to go be a full like well I think, book, you know? yeah
0: I mean I think that's part of the photo book thing too, right? Like we existed in a world where like a photo book was a coffee table book, Mm -hmm. right? And then people started making photo books outside Mm -hmm. of that idea. And they exist in every form and certain ideas Mm -hmm. take the form of of saddle stitch (laughs) booklets and other things are hardcovers. And so it, it just all, I don't know. Kind of pieces together in its own way.
2: So we kind of go in the opposite direction. Yes. Which is A Handful of Dust from the Cosmic to the Domestic by David Campany. And it's a Mac book. Yes. Mac, probably the top, well, that's, people will argue, but I would say they're, you know, probably at the top of the game in terms of, like,
0: artful nice books. Textbooks. They make some really yeah. nice books. A lot
2: of really nice books. We've had a bunch on the show and... This is another one, and this is one I've... It, it got a lot of press. It came out, and there's some reviews of it, but I hadn't seen it yet. Yeah, it and came out really uh,
0: last fall. Um,
2: so tell me, why did you bring this? What is it So you-
0: I think it's, you know, that's my dream book. I wish that was my book. <laughs> 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 but um, it's, it's a speculative history of the 20th, 20th century, um, kind of starting off of this Man Ray photograph of dust. Um, and, and tracing a lot of the major events of the 20th century. So uh, the Depression um, and the war and Hiroshima and so many things through the, almost like the medium of dust um, as it's photographed, as it interferes with things um, and, and kind of all of the ephemera and peripherals around it. But it's composed of of found photographs and um, images from archives and libraries and museums. And I think it's, part of it is just, for me, a reference of how I like to work a lot, Mm -hmm. which is kind of research-based and piecing things together and and working with a lot of found imagery. Uh, And I love the idea of a speculative history. So this idea of trying to trace all that's happened in the 20th century through a specific medium. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then I just think it's also designed really nicely. Yeah, sort it's of beautiful. That
2: I mean, it's very, it's kind of dense. You got to, have you read, I think I asked this before, how much have you actually read? I've
0: gotten about halfway through. <laughs> I pick it up and put it down. Yeah. But no, it's it's the central, um, the central pieces is a booklet that's an essay written by David Campany, and it's just kind of broken up almost into chapters. Um, but I think that's that's the type of photo book I, I really you respond to. So it's really um, the
2: the appropriation, the aggregation, digging into history, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, which is like, yeah, we. I mean, I think we kind of I like that. One. Yeah, we we kind of come to like two different strains of thought, where it's like you know, obviously, we're there's part of us all, me, Brett, and Tom that are very traditional based, kind of like go out, take photos, put it together, you know, stitch it together, but then. You know, we talked to a lot of people, Corey, the guys at Sun, a lot of, you know, going in and digging into the archives and my, my own personal stuff, I love that as well, too. I think this is, I didn't, I think maybe I didn't, so many books come on you are kind of like oh yeah. what is that and like now i'm looking at it i was like oh fuck man like that is actually something yeah, i no, would definitely. be into it i thought it was just like oh it's a bunch of different interpretations of dust or whatever <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like <laughs> i
0: didn't you know it's like cuz you, you come across uh, uh, it and yeah. like
2: that's not it you know so well yeah i
0: mean the idea that it, it seems sort of like no, but mm-hmm. But this idea of trying to almost structure a narrative, and if that narrative is representative Mm. of shared experience and history. um, But even if it wasn't, I
2: don't think even if it was, like, just some batshit crazy interpretation of (laughs) twenty I think it could be perfectly interesting and fine because, like, there's such, like, so much material out there. It's like, there's... Zillion, almost like an infinite amount of permutations of Mm -hmm. how it can be interpreted by different artists. That's why it's like, it's so crazy that people think like, oh, there's nothing that, everything's been done. No, I mean, like, literally there's an, with the amount of material that's available now, it's like an infinite number of variations, you know?
0: Well, and I think, too, the way that it's it's laid out Mm. um, and pieced together, um, it's really interesting to see sort of the way that you read things yeah. kind of from front to back and back to front and and images even that you m- might not like there's a an image from the Hubble telescope mm-hmm. and then there's a Jeff Wall piece um, and then there's a Vija Kalman's mm-hmm. um, painting or, or drawing mm-hmm. that looks like a photograph because she's such a photorealistic artist like it's it's just this really great balance of Yeah, I love it.
2: I'm going to steal it. (laughs) You will not. (laughs)
0: I'm I'm very specific with my purchasing. I'm going to take it.
2: Your bag's a lot lighter when you're leaving. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Uh, We're just going to slide this down here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to see where No, thank you. No, that's kind of of it. really is. um, It's it's kind of one of the reasons why we do the show, get exposed to stuff that we might not. might have passed over when we see it come across the Internet, you know. But, yeah, it's beautiful, too. And then, obviously, looking through it. I mean, that's... Yeah. It doesn't even need to be stated. that When you get it in your hands, you can actually look at it and page through it. It's a completely different thing. This is a book you come back to a
0: lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's it, too. Like, I...
3: It's but even I, when yeah. I
0: read, like I, I, I'm sort of funny about when I buy books, it's like I, I, I am a huge reader, but I want to buy books that I think I'm going to come back to. Cause otherwise I'll go to the library, yeah. but, but there's something about this where I think you can, you can really sort of reference it mm-hmm. and find something new each but, and every time. But just
2: even how the image, like how that scan, mm-hmm. I'm like, God, how that high resolution somehow mm-hmm. scanned of the printed image. I mean like that, you know, in the magazine or whatever and we've seen a couple I can't remember maybe it was um jackie Jackie Roman brought the book that was um, about the photo albums the history of the photo albums yeah. the family archive family albums mm-hmm. yeah that was an aperture book and the way they scan the photo the albums it just looks so fucking beautiful like it yeah. has high res very detailed scan and you got those in here too I'm like I don't know that that just makes me envious <laughs> I want to do it like find that stuff to be able to kind of like yeah interpret it that way through you know. Oh it's great, yeah, so the last one we have should be um kind of uh connected to your current uh, living status yes, Forest my Hills co- My current living status <laughs> we, won't, we won't need to go into that But the book is Forest Hills Bill yeah. Sullivan Another A Sun book Yeah um, It's possible We talked about it on the show We could not confirm Or deny that You <laughs> never
0: know It's why we it's never know. There's a picture It
2: looks like it's from the Alps Yes uh, I know I've seen but, that But so this book Is all about uh, Forest Hills And tennis And Forest Hills and. But, yeah know. the Forest
0: Hills Tennis Stadium yeah, Which is where The US Open Took place um, Until they moved it to Flushing Meadow Park and the Arthur Ashe Stadium, and um, again, sort of appropriation yeah. and going back into photographs and yeah, for me, I mean, I I I think it's a beautiful book, but it's also just um, I think it's it's a good use of appropriation. It's a beautifully designed book yeah. and and yeah, you know, I have a thing for Queens. So uh,
2: well, it was well, I bought it too at the Art Book Fair maybe two years mm-hmm. two years ago two years. now. You know. Yeah. And right away when I picked it up, I was just like, tennis? Like, what the hell? But it's Ten- like, I... Tennis? No, I was like, tennis, <laughs> affordable? I wouldn't think about that. And when I was like... Yeah. But I watched tennis as a kid, like mm-hmm. like, a lot. Like, I knew tennis, and I was into tennis, and I was like... Did you ever Ten- play tennis? I, well, not like I played my my best friend. Yeah, I, would I go mean, and that's, play like five that sets counts. on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah. And I like mean, if you
0: could figure out that it's five sets, that's playing tennis.
2: Oh, yeah yeah. We would try yeah. to we would try to like uh, mimic like yeah. you know Jimmy Connors' epic Jimmy Connors' matches. You know.
0: Well, I think too. I mean, my my grandfather's. Know a you know, Jimmy <laughs> Connors, <laughs> Connors. Jimmy
2: Connors. Oh. U.S. Open in the nineties, man. He yeah, Jimmy Connors was games. also
0: like he was kind of a dick, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, but. My grandfather um, played tennis up until he was about eighty three. Oh really? Oh no no no, no, older. I think eighty six. Yeah, because he played like he was playing right up until I when I moved back to New York. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's part of it too, is I just remember him, you know, playing tennis with us when we were kids. He would play this um, Butterfingers game where he would have all of my me and my cousins would stand on one side of the net, and he would stand there with the ball. Mm machine that just spits balls out on like a 30 second interval and then he would slam balls over the net yeah. and butterfingers was just like whoever dropped their racket or oh, ran wow. would lose and it was like last man standing <laughs> so i it just it's a very cruel childhood but um, but yeah so I, I sort of have this this love for
2: Well remind, it's like the Mitch Hedberg joke it's like some like I, when you play tennis against the wall, you can never win. The wall is fucking relentless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's the wall is very true. Yeah, you yeah. can never beat the wall. But it's also, I remember talking to our uh, friend Charlie Johnson, and Charlie Johnson, whom you know, Maggie. I do know um, mm-hmm. If you win and if you come back on, which I hope you will, I remember Charlie giving me a, a speech about Forest Hills, and I don't remember. He's like, yeah, you see, it's about tennis and appropriation, but it's actually an interpretation of the history of art. Ooh. It's like the real meaning of yeah. the book, and I was like, "Are you full of shit?" Because <laughs> he could be full. of sh- He quite possibly could be full of shit, but he might also be deadly serious. But I think he said that he's like, "No, Bill's. He's trying to interpret, yeah. different. You know, this history of like modern art. He's, it wasn't it wasn't all art, but it was like mo- like 20th century, Almost sort
0: of modernism, modernism in, a, in yeah. a way, yeah.
2: Through through the book." And even when you kind of look at it, it's like you start to pick up some of the stuff and it's like...
0: Well, the use of, yeah, I mean, the way that, like, landscape and portraiture is handled, but mm-hmm. then also sort of breaking down into segmentations of, of numbers and other things. I think you can See it there. slap well, that on. I wouldn't on. put a pass, Bill <laughs> Salt. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's thinking
2: a little bit deeper than just making it about tennis and Forest Hills, you know. But, it's yeah, it is beautiful. All the sun stuff, they do excellent books and... Glad to have it on the show. Another one. Uh-huh. We've had a lot. We've, we've maybe covered half their catalog. Really? Yeah. Nah, I don't know about that. They should, they should sponsor you guys. They should. yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Corey, we'll see. So what else What else you got going on? What's next? What's uh, on the horizon? Uh, Other than a <laughs> No existential crisis, right? I was right? going to say,
0: no existential crisis. Some beach time. Um, some figuring. No, I'm, I'm kind of just trying to buckle down on finishing up mm-hmm. some things. So I'm um, working on the Subway Psychic book and... Um, I'm proposing or pitching the live stream sunset piece to some places and some grant giving operations, fingers crossed. Um, But yeah, I I think, you know, it's going to be a summer of kind of pinning things down and finishing things up and and thinking about some some more book projects. Are you going to do any
2: real photography? Am I going to do any real (laughs) photography?
0: I don't know <laughs> um,
3: Yeah
0: No I, I am going to do Some real yeah. photography Some things are In the works nice. we Just sort of Keep them quiet Because you know Sometimes you come up With ideas And then you Put them down For a while
2: Well, And then you can Always come back On the show year later To prove again later, Like yeah. I made a
0: photograph <laughs> <laughs> One year later
2: Well no thanks yeah. We always like Having you on Thank well, you two times We've had you on. We've liked having you on and, uh, It's always a pleasure Good stuff Great books And we like I we Thanks. Thank you, you, Brett.
0: Thanks, guys.
1: Till next week. Thanks again for joining us. You can go behind the scenes of this episode, see the work of our guests, and the photos we discussed by visiting our Tumblr and lpvshow.com. If you'd like to support the production of the show, this year we are offering a subscription for $20. As a subscriber, you will get exclusive access to our weekly email newsletter, which will contain a bonus conversation about some of the interesting stories we find on the web. Also, at the end of the year, we'll be raffling off three awesome photo books exclusively to our subscribers. We appreciate your support and hope you continue to enjoy the show. If you have any questions, please feel free to send them to info@lpvshow.com or connect with us on Twitter at LPVshow. The LPV show is executive produced by Brian Formals and Tom Starkweather. Our score is by Tom Starkweather, who also mixes the show. Special thanks to Eddie Vellante and Brett A. Davis. Thanks for listening.